I felt a little chill in the air today. So I thought, you know, this would be a good time to tell a Christmas story. So here we go. Let's go to the first. There we go. This is kind of my Christmas history here. When I was little, uh, my mother would be like baking cookies constantly throughout the entire month, really from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And um, she'd make chocolate chip cookies and she'd make Christmas cookies and she'd make all these different kinds of cookies. And she would make these cookies and she'd call them peanut butter blossoms, which really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, you know, when I think blossom, I think flower, and I don't see a flower there. But this is what I do see here. This is what would happen. My mother would make these cookies, and I don't know exactly the process, but I knew this much. I had to wait for them to cool, and then I had to wait for her not to be in the room. And then I went up to the cookies, and of course, I popped the tops. I took off the Hershey Kiss and ate that because who wanted to eat that dumb cookie, right? I just wanted the Hershey's Kiss. I mean, I gave you guys all our Hershey's Kiss when you came in today because I wanted you to remember the story and something else a little bit later, but all she really had to do was hand these out, right? Just keep it simple, Shumsky. That's my last name. That's my mother's last name. Keep it simple, Shumsky. We didn't need to have her go through all that trouble and bake all that peanut butter stuff because no one, well, at least I wasn't going to eat it. And of course, she'd come back in the kitchen and that would be one of the few times I'd hear my middle name, right? Christopher Paul Shumsky! I'm like, what? What? You know what? I tried to play dumb, but she was much smarter than me. But I wanted to show you this because There are times in life when we make things really, really difficult, right? And we've been talking all summer long about um, our summer of still and being still and knowing God and pushing ourselves through that busyness and focusing on God. And tonight what we're going to talk about is how when life gets so crazy or so difficult, we tend uh, to neglect worshiping God. And we're going to read a scripture tonight where the Apostle Paul basically tells a church that they need to keep it simple. Now, you know the phrase, right? Keep it simple, stupid. I use keep it simple, shumsky, if it's my name. You might want to use keep it simple, silly, if you don't like the other word. Uh, But we're going to be talking about how we can keep it simple so that we can worship God better. So, I'm going to put the scripture up on the screen here, and you can still follow along in your Bibles if you'd like to. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, It's verses 29 to 31. It's from the translation called The Message. And this is a letter that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. He says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, grief, joy, whatever, even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things that the world thrusts on you. This world as you see it is on its way out. Folks, one of two things is going to happen to us. Either Jesus Christ is coming back, 
or we're going to die. And even if you live to 100 years, right, it's still only going to be like the blink of an eye in comparison with eternity. So Paul is saying to the Corinthians here, he's saying, listen, listen, life is short. So keep it simple so you don't get distracted from what really matters. And what really matters is worshiping God. Now, what I want to do tonight is, is take a closer look at the scripture and go to that line where it says, keep it simple. And look at some of the things that Paul uh, pointed out. We're going to talk about how these things can distract us from God and maybe something we can do to keep it simple. And then in your bulletin, you'll notice you have a card that says next steps. And on the opposite side of that card, it says, write down one thing that you can do this week to simplify your life so you can focus on God. So let's begin. First thing Paul says to keep simple is marriage. Now, if you read um, the, the verses before and after this, Paul talks about marriage. He kind of gives his opinion. He says, you know, listen, if you're single, stay single. If you're married, stay married. Because what Paul understands is that marriage can be a huge distraction for people from worshiping God. And, and in other words, there are some couples who will take their spouse and put their spouse on a higher pedestal than God. They'll put their spouse above God. And then Paul also understood that when a marriage is not going well, when you are struggling in a marriage, it is very distracting from worshiping God. Because what a marriage is supposed to be in itself is worshiping God. I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 5. It's a section I often read at weddings, and I do this because a lot of people get this section messed up, and they misunderstand it. And I, I try to explain it, and we're going to talk about it tonight. Ephesians 5 verse 21, Paul writes, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of his church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, a lot of people stop there, especially the husbands. <laughs> they don't keep reading, but they should. Verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So when you put those verses together, what you truly understand is, we're supposed to be submitting to each other. Our marriages are supposed to be a way for us to worship God. So how do we keep them simple? Well, by keeping them healthy. Let me give you an example. Uh, my wife and I, and by the way, I have her permission to share this. My wife and I have been married for 27 years. We have four daughters. We're going to be married for 28 years on October the 6th. And this week, we are going to get counseling. Now, we're not getting a divorce. Nothing tragic is happening. We just recognize that after 27 years things could be a little bit better. 
in different areas. So we're going to go and see a counselor. Now, do I really want to go see a counselor? I don't want to go see a counselor because what's going to happen is, is this counselor is going to point out that really the big problems in our marriage are me. And so I'm going to have to do a lot of work, right? I'm going to have to grow up a lot. And I understand that. But I'm going to go. Because I love my wife and I want our marriage to be good. I want it to be healthy so that it can be simple so that we can be free to worship God. All right. Paul continues. He says, keep it simple in grief and joy. Now let me read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we read this and we think, well, of course it's easy to keep it, keep it simple and joy, right? No. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen people going through life really, really well. Things are going great. They're filled with joy. They're happy and they say, you know, I really don't need God. They're so overjoyed, they're distracted from God. I was in a church one time when a gentleman had just given his life to Christ and he was coming to church and it was awesome. And he came to church. He said, you know, Pastor Chris, I need you, I need you to be praying for me. I'm trying to get a loan because I want to put an addition on my house. And I'm like, man, we'll pray. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed week after week after week. And guess what? He got the loan to put on the addition. So what did he do? He put on the addition. Every Sunday he worked on the addition. So he wasn't going to church. <laughs> he got what he wanted. Things were good and church took a back seat. He didn't keep it simple. Now, a lot of people struggle with grief. And they say, well, Pastor Chris, you know, how do you not get distracted? How do you keep it simple with grief? And I think the key thing here is to recognize that when we're going through struggles, we are not alone. We are not alone. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 16. Verses 7 through 13 is what we're going to read. If you're not familiar with the story, you need to know that Abraham and Sarah had been promised a child in their old age by God. Sarah doesn't really believe it's going to happen. So instead, she takes Hagar, which is her maidservant, gives Hagar to Abraham and says, Here, sleep with my maidservant, get her pregnant, and I'll have a child that way. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar. Hagar gets pregnant. And when she's pregnant, she kind of gives Sarah an attitude. So Sarah gets jealous and throws Hagar out in the street. And this is where we pick it up. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the, Lord, then the angel of the Lord told her, go back. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you should name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. 
She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the one, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. We need to remember that when we're going through the grief, we're not alone. God sees us. We can keep it simple in joy and in grief when we remember that. All right, Paul continues. He says, keep it simple in ordinary things. And this is interesting. The daily routines of shopping and so on. Why is it so important to keep things simple in shopping? Well, in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, uh, Jesus tells this parable. It says that someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man who appointed me, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Folks, when we have too much stuff to take care of, we're not living a simple life. And when we have too much debt because we had to pay for that stuff we're taking care of, we don't have a simple life. Again, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, this is one that I have personally uh, struggled with throughout my life. I have made my life very difficult, not simple because of the way that I've handled money. Growing up, I was taught to self-medicate by shopping. That's what I did. When things got difficult, I went to the mall because that's where we lived and that's how you lived. The problem is my dad at that time worked for Kodak so we could pull that off. I don't work for Kodak. I've never worked for Kodak. I've always been a pastor. So self-medicating really wasn't an option with shopping and yet I kept doing it. In fact, it wasn't until last year uh, when I took the financial peace course. Uh, Dave, it's called Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace. In fact, we're going to offer it again this fall. So if you want to take it, I recommend that you do. But it wasn't until I took that course that I began to understand the biblical principles of finances and where I really started to understand credit and contracts and all the different things that you can get yourself trapped into. And so now my wife and I are moving in a different direction and, and it's exciting. We don't have any more credit cards 
I never again am going to have a car loan. We have two cars. One we call hole in the Honda because it has a hole in it. One we call dent in the Honda because it has a dent in it. And um, <laughs> I'm okay with that. We're never going to get them fixed. They're going to have a hole. They're going to have a dent. And the goal is to drive these things until they can't drive anymore. And then when we're done driving these things, the next car we buy, we do it with cash. Right? No more phone contracts. Right now we're with Cricket. I know Cricket's not the hippest phone company to be with. But guess what? We don't have a contract with them. We just pay monthly. We can quit whenever we want to. I'm never going to have the iPhone 7, the iPhone 8, probably the iPhone 9, 10, 11, 12, but you know what? I'm okay with that because I know what's more important now. I want to be simply financially healthy. I want to do it uh, for my relationship for God, and I want to do it for my future as a grandfather so that I can help out uh, my children and my grandkids. But that's how we keep those things simple. Now, he finishes with one more thing that I think is really interesting. Paul says we're supposed to keep things simple and deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. Now think about this for just a moment. The world thrusts so many expectations on us, especially our children and our teenagers. You know, when you're a child or a teenager, you're expected to be thin. You're expected to be muscular. You're expected to be good-looking. You're expected to be involved in a lot of different activities. You're expected to have a cell phone. And you're expected to have a strong social media game. I mean, those are just things you're expected to do. Those are the things that the world thrusts upon you. But does that simplify your life? No. But as a parent, it's hard not to want to give your kids all of that, right? But think about this for a moment. You give your kid the world, but are they ready to resist temptation? Think about it for a moment. Your kid can hit a fastball or play the French horn. But when a friend comes up and introduces them to pornography, do they know what to do? Do they know how to respond biblically? Do they know how to do what God wants them to do? And why does this matter? Well, the last verse in the scripture. Paul says, this world as you see it is on its way out. In other words, there is nothing in this world that matters. It's eventually all going to go away. So make sure You keep things simple. Now, let's move on to those next steps. You got a card in your bulletin, and you got a Hershey's kiss as you walked in. This is what I want to encourage you to do uh, tonight. On the back side of the card, it says, write down one thing that you can do this week to simplify your life. So you can focus more on God. I want to encourage you to write it down and then to tell somebody. Because when you tell somebody, it holds you accountable. So you already know what I'm doing this week. I'm going to counseling with my wife where the counselor is going to point out how it's all her fault. And we're, 
Okay, for those of you who are new tonight, I'm joking. For those of you who've been coming for a while, you all know it's all me, right? You all know that, yeah, my wife is a saint and I've got issues and I've got a lot of growing up to do, so pray for me. But you all know that's what, that's what we're doing uh, this week. What are you going to do? One thing, to simplify your life so that you're not distracted from worshiping God.